Hey team, welcome back to another episode of the Strength Game Podcast. I'm your host, Nick O'Brien, and this is episode number 56. The Strength Game is a weekly podcast dedicated to discussing all things physical culture with the coaches, athletes, iron enthusiasts, and experts deeply embedded in the strength game on both sides of the profession, both as coaches and as competitive athletes. I want to take this time to thank everyone who has liked, shared, commented, uh, given us ratings, reviews, any feedback. Your support, those reviews and feedback allow us to bring on more expert level guests, continue to work on the show and highlight more individuals in the strength game, just like our guests today. I also want to thank our sponsors. Samson Equipment has been providing uncompromising quality for over 40 years. Samson products are long lasting and made of the highest quality equipment on the market. Each project is built from the ground up with the ability to customize every need. The team at Samson focuses on developing the highest quality relationships with their customers, in addition to providing them unparalleled quality in every piece of equipment bearing the Samson name. Learn more about Samson's professional weight room solutions and the Samson standard at samsonequipment.com. Also want to thank Cerberus Strength. If you're in the market for the highest quality, strength conditioning gear, powerlifting gear, strongman equipment, be sure to check out serverstrength.com and use promo code strength underscore game to receive an extra 10% off your next order. And in this week's episode, I am joined by Cameron Dietz. Cameron is currently an assistant strength conditioning coach at Utah Valley University, where he oversees training for the baseball, softball, wrestling, men's soccer, and men's and women's golf programs. Prior to arriving at UVU, he was a postgraduate intern at the University of North Texas and a graduate assistant coach for two years at the University of Northern Colorado. Dietz got his start coaching as an intern at the University of Delaware before volunteering at his alma mater, the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, before moving into a coaching role at Elizabeth High School in Colorado. A former baseball player at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, Dietz continues to stay active in his spare time, training, active on social media, and trying to figure out more ways to impact his collegiate athletes during the year-round season. Like I said, I'm excited to have him on the show today. So with all that said, let's get in the game with Coach Cameron Dietz. Today, I'm excited. I am joined by Coach Cameron Dietz from Utah Valley University. What is going on today, man? Not much, just in between teams. So, uh, in between a lot of teams. And so, I, I appreciate your time because I know you got a lot on your schedule. So, really want to get dive right into it. How you got involved in the strength game? Kind of tell us a little bit about your introduction into training sports you played growing up and kind of what you do currently at UVU and your kind of training now. Yeah. So I got, you know, I played, uh, I played baseball, tried to play basketball, wasn't good enough really. Um, but played football and baseball, you know, growing up and, um, really didn't start working out until maybe my senior year in high school. Um, because I dropped everything to play baseball and maybe even like 10, 12 years ago now, like, 
lifting in baseball wasn't as common or as important or viewed as important. And so I got into it my senior year and, you know, really, really liked it. And, um, I knew that I wasn't going to play professional baseball. So I tried to figure out, okay, what route do I want to do to get as close to the majors as possible? And so it ended up, you know, kind of coming down to like, do I want to be a journalist or do I want to try and coach? And, you know, do I coach baseball, which, you know, again, like I'm not good enough to play. So would I be good enough to coach professionally or do I kind of just, you know, do, you know, is strength and conditioning even a thing, you know, athletic training, strength, and something like that. So, um, that's how I kind of got into it. I wanted to work in pro baseball, um, ended up, you know, making some really good connections with some pro strength coaches that, you know, told me, Hey, like your, your resume is what 99% of personal trainers that want to do strength conditioning want. Like you need to do some internships. You need to work with division one teams. So I ended up, you know, interning at Delaware, um, interned at my alma mater at Colorado. Um, ended up finally getting a GA job after working at a high school for a while. Uh, so I was a graduate assistant in Northern Colorado and then still couldn't find a job because this field's tough. So worked in North Texas as an intern uh, and then finally landed here. And I've been here going on two and a half, three years. So um, been here since. And that's how I kind of got into strength conditioning. Uh, training wise, like I, I lift so that I can keep up with everybody. I want to, if I write it on the board or if I, you know, if that's what their card calls for, like I've done it, I've practiced it. I have completed the workouts. I know that I can grab, you know, pretty much any weight and demonstrate it. Like that's essentially what I train for. I, I train to practice what I preach. I love that. That's great. That's it. That's, I mean, if you got nothing specifically like you're competing in after you're done with collegiate sports or you're not doing any strength sports or anything like that. I mean, be the most general athlete you can possibly be and be the best demo guy out there for your athletes. That's, that's a huge piece and that's awesome to hear. And yeah, you definitely, definitely close to obviously professional baseball being in division one, you work with both the baseball and softball programs there and you've, We've worked with plenty of teams at some of your places like along your way. What um, like specifically with baseball, obviously you played that growing up. What kind of attracts you to baseball, like the professional side of it or baseball strength and conditioning the most? And like between baseball and softball, like how are you kind of approaching training them such as such similar sports? But there's some kind of minute differences that really set them apart as teams. Well, for me, like, I think the thing that I like about it the most is like, it relates to me. Like, it's a sport that, you know, if, if, you know, a guy or girl comes in after a long weekend and they're, you know, they go over nine and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I struggle to see the ball or what, whatever they're, you know, kind of like down or up about, or, you know, however they're feeling about it. Like it's, it's one of those things that I can relate to them because I've been in that position. I could talk to them about the sport and it, it's super natural and it just flows like, you know, I, I've, I am not a hitting coach or a pitching coach by any means, but you know, there have been times where even if it's just like, you know, Hey, like when I played, this is how, you know, these are the things like if I let the ball travel a little bit more, I felt like, you know, even on the inside pitch, if I was thinking right field, I could still pull it to left field and it helped me out of these slumps and stuff like that. And even those little things like whether it's softball or baseball, like, 
a lot of times people go, oh man, like BP was so good today. And I was just thinking like what you said, like keeping my weight back a little bit more, a little bit longer, or letting the ball travel a little bit or, you know, whatever the case is. And so it's one of those things, like I'm not coaching you on your swing. Like I'm coaching you how to, you know, properly, you know, lift weights, but at the same time, I can relate to what sport you play. And that's, that's, that's that. you know, but I'm not nearly a par, you know, golfer. Um, I wrestled for a couple of years in middle school. I work with wrestling. I know the lingo enough, but not like the ins and outs of it, you know? And so that's kind of that difference where it's nice to have all these different teams and, and be able to, you know, build those relationships with athletes. But at the same time, there's always that comfort coming back to bat and ball sports where it's like, I've, I've been there. I know that you're struggling. Like, you know, just, just keep chugging away, keep your head down, like just do the best you can. It's, it's just relatable for me. Um, and I think that's kind of where that comfort is. Yeah. It's nice to be able to kind of relate back to either a sport or like experience that you've had that like you really kind of fall in love with. I mean, I don't know if every coach gets the opportunity to like really work with the sport they want to ultimately, I think, everybody has like some sports or like a, a location or a conference or a school or something in mind that they really want to be a part of. And it's nice because most of college athletics or high school, you're going to get a grab bag of everything and you might not necessarily get the one you want or you, that might, that's not your entire job. And obviously like for you, like you have on top of baseball, five other sports and teams that you're assigned to. So it's not going to be like your dream job, so to say, because you can't just have them. You still have to balance the intricacies of working with all those other teams. And like you kind of said, like you taught, you dabbled and you've done wrestling, you've done some golf and everything too. It's just, you're never going to have the same experience or background as every single team that you're working with. So how are you able to kind of find ways to relate to those other sports that, you probably don't have as much experience in like quite as much as you have baseball growing up playing that as well through like through college. How are you able to kind of like start to build a rapport and relationship with some of those other sports and, and athletes that you might not be as relatable to initially? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, especially like the first team that I worked with that I really was like, uh Oh, like I don't know much about this is soccer. And so just starting to, you know, watch practice, you know, go to every game, watch the games, you know, start to ask the guys questions. Cause at the end of the day, like there's not any of the guys on the team, like the guys on the team, you know, if we're going through, you know, our, our sprinting and stuff like that, like, again, I, I train to run because I want to be able to demonstrate these resistance sprints that we're doing. I want to be able to demonstrate, you know, a skips and switches and stuff like that. Like I, that's why I still work out and that's what I do when I train, you know? And so they know watching me, you know, even if it's they're practicing and like kicking the ball back to them, like it's not my natural like habitat, you know? And so watching them being involved, seeing them firsthand up, up close and then, you know, talking to them about it, you know, Hey, like, we're going to do some conditioning today. I want you guys to, you know, what's the term for the top of the box, you know, the 18 and back. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're going to, 
you know, we're doing 120s and then you're going to walk to the 18 and back. And like, that's a common term in soccer. But until you are like, oh, walk to that white line and back, like, it's just that little difference of like, hey, like, you know, what, what do you guys call that line? What do you guys, you know, you know, what, what are the things that you guys feel like you need to get better at in order to get better at soccer? And, you know, kind of catering their programs a little bit to that, you know, soccer, probably more than my other sports. I feel like I focused a lot more on um, like isometric groin, like exercises. So adducted, you know, kind of like a Copenhagen plank and, you know, a lot more use of like slider boards and lateral lunges and stuff like that. Like I still lateral lunge with everybody, but I make it a, a point to use the slide boards with them because they have to like drag back. Right. And they have to have that like extra friction and, and those kinds of things only happen because it's like, I'm trying to figure out more about soccer. You know, I don't like, there are similarities between soccer and football when it comes to yes, they're field sports, but again, like the conditioning has got to be different because they're going to, they're going to be constantly moving on the field, but they're not always at a dead sprint, you know? And so trying to tailor their conditioning a little bit more to them, trying to find things in the weight room that I feel like are going to help them stay on the field because the best ability be ability is availability. Right. And so, you know, just, just watching them practice, watching them play, talking to them, asking them questions. It's one of those things like, again, you talk to them about, Hey, like what, like what happened? Why was that offsides? Or, Hey, like, you know, they called a foul, but I've seen guys, you know, essentially grab the Jersey a little bit more anyways. Like, did he just have a better angle at it or, you know, like those kinds of questions, A, they, you know, the guys and girls start to feel like, oh, like, yeah, he was there. Like he watched or like he was paying attention. He wasn't on his phone or, you know, those kinds of things I think are even more important than just like, yeah, like, you know, oh, you went, oh, you know, oh, you were over. Like, I didn't go to the games, but like, you know, I know, I know that it struggles. Like it's almost, it almost is even better because then you're like asking them about the sport that they're here to play. Right. No, that's a great point. I mean, obviously trying to learn the language and understand some of those intricacies. I think that's helpful. Speaking, speaking the same language is huge. I mean, that, that definitely gets difficult when you have multiple teams to like, especially like back-to-back scenarios. I've caught myself doing it where I've been at like gone from soccer practice to lacrosse to like volleyball and calling like the sideline different than like the restraining line or the back line. Right. And oh, they'll light you up right away and be like, Oh, where were you like 10 minutes ago? And, um, but that stuff like it definitely helps. It helps build some buying with them because they, they want to think that you're there specifically like solely for them, that athlete, their sport and for the betterment of their team. So if you can speak their language and put it into their terms or honestly like show that feedback and the the tie-in from what the weight room what they're doing on the field like you were saying like with the slide boards and everything for like all the adductor and like groin work that you're going to see from a soccer player i think that starts to really slowly add more buy-in from them and they start to like really invest in the program a lot more so if you were just kind of copy and pasting across the board like all my athletes in general need to do lateral lunges but like I could see that for soccer they specifically need to do this even more so because of the time that you spend at practice and everything so that's that's a great point to kind of emphasize 
And so with, with like adding different things into your program, obviously like from observation, from conversations with coaches or just kind of from your curiosity, how do you kind of prevent yourself from really program hopping? Because you, you have six different teams, like the closest that those teams are really related. And then we can, that's informality is like men's women's golf. Like it's, it's the same sport, but you're still dealing with different team baseball and softball, same thing, similar sport, but very different intricacies. So if you're trying to program or like tweak something for wrestling that's coming up in their off season in a month in your own program, how are you able to still like test out ideas for baseball on the side or soccer on the side without like turning your own program into just a Frankenstein monster? So you really like can see the impact that's going to happen for four weeks rather than just one day of an exercise, if that makes sense. Right. No, I, um, I try and do a lot of micro dosing. Um, so I don't feel like, like today so far, my wife likes to work out in the mornings before she has to go to like class. And so I come in at six and I've been doing some like, I guess, ATG type, like Jefferson curls and like low back health and stuff like that. But I'll also like, work on you know certain things that i'm trying to experiment with maybe like for example this morning with like wrestling so like i'm gonna do some extra prowler work like pushing and pulling like tying on the uh battle ropes and like essentially doing pulls and pushing pushing the prowler back and forth for um you know like i guess their like form of conditioning right now you know and kind of messing with that but i also have you know a couple things that i'm doing for my low back right and so that's what I did this morning. It doesn't take that long. Like she's working out. It's fine. It's before my teams. And then when I work out this afternoon, like I'll follow more of my program, but I try and keep my program really simple so that when I add stuff that I, you know, essentially want to experiment with, I'm not going to like crush myself. Like I have a, I have a template. It's a very like, you know, minute, small, like I'm going to push, I'm going to pull on the squat and I'm going to hinge. And then on top of that, like what little micro dosing stuff can I add in? You know, like this last probably, I don't know, since, since the summer, I've been doing a lot more speed work, a lot of, you know, sprint mechanics and practicing how I run and not only like how to run, but loaded runs and load velocity profiling and, you know, all these different kind of things. And so I think when I first, I got so excited when I first like, was learning about it that I just jumped right into it. Like you talked about. And, uh, I've never been, I'm, I'm a bigger guy, but like, I've never had shin splints and just instant boom, shin splints because my running has been a lot less, a lot less intense, you know, the volumes less or whatever. And so now adding a jump, you know, just jumping the gun and adding in all these running drills out of nowhere, boom, shin splints. So it's like, I have to essentially microdose a little bit here and there and try and, introduce these little things that I want to try. And again, like the template of my program isn't going to be, oh my gosh, like the way that I train golf and the way that I train softball, like, oh my gosh, they're so, you know, polarized, like difference. They both rotate. So they'll do some rotational things, you know, like in season less, but off season more rotation. Um, and then the other piece of it is like softball will spend more time sprinting and in golf we don't sprint in fact the only conditioning golf does is we'll play 
football or ultimate frisbee and stuff like that. So again, like the program itself, like the the, the base of yeah, we're gonna trap our deadlift, we're gonna reverse lunge, we're gonna lateral lunge, we're gonna do some kind of pressing, whether it's push-ups or dumbbell bench or you know, half kneeling landmine, whatever it is, we're gonna do those movements no matter what. But you know, if I've got an hour with them, a lot more of that time is spent with softball sprinting than golf. And so, you know, you have some extra time with golf. What are you going to add in? Okay. Like today, the women's golf team finished maybe eight or nine minutes early. So uh, we went through some T-spine mobility stuff that I've seen uh, from Zach DeCant recently that it's like, yeah, like he's a baseball guy, but like you have to rotate through your T-spine in golf. So let's do some of these just, you know, simple, easy floor crawling position mobility work and cool look at that we we're done we spent an hour doing it you know so it's not these polarized like the programs aren't that different but in order for me to be able to experiment with it i just keep my program super simple and again like if i were training for something it wouldn't be the case like i i would i would have you know more specific you know i if i were training the olympic lifts and that's what i wanted to do was a weightlifting competition then i would probably spend more time weightlifting whereas right now i'm not spending a lot of time weightlifting because I know the percentages and how they should feel. I can demonstrate them even though I'm not weightlifting more than once a week, like Olympic weightlifting more than once a week. Um, and if I want to reintroduce it, I'm just going to introduce it slowly. I'm going to work back into it. And if I want to do an Olympic based program for myself, you know, I am going to work into it. I'm not going to jump into it like I did with my, my art of acceleration stuff. So. No, that's a good point. I I think you kind of the last thing I liked when you talked about like the reintroducing things. Um, obviously, like since you have such an experience like training and being in the gym and like just strength conditioning, like performance training in general, like you can rely on that past experience. Like you're not gonna lose the ability to do Olympic variations just because you haven't done them in a while. They're definitely not gonna be as clean and but when you come back and you reintroduce them, like you, you kind of pick up relatively where you left off in some regards. It's not probably not like Olympic quality, like, or like competitive quality, like right from the get go, but it's and it probably wasn't in the first place. Like. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all right. It, uh, I, I don't even want to know what my clean looks like right now, not having it in my program, but that that experience you're able to rely back on is huge because the, it gives it affords you the opportunity to make sure that you can still go test other things. And I like what you're talking about. Like if you're not actually deliberately putting something in your program and like preparing for a competition, it's nice to be able to microdose all those little things and test the stuff on the program. But I know for you, like hey as a bigger guy getting shin splints, like doing some of that acceleration work. And that's something you considering adding in with the heavyweight wrestlers, they're probably going to appreciate you taking off some of that running volume because you experience like how bad the shin splints are and coming as a heavyweight guy, maybe they don't need to sprint as much. Maybe they can pull the sled a little bit more or push it a little bit more. So I don't think you figure out those things without really kind of, diving into it yourself and sitting down and putting a plan in place and, and testing those theories more so, because, I mean, we can look at leaders and we can look at people that are really good 
at training specific sports, but it still is very tailored to your environment, like the equipment you have, the type of team you have, and all those different other stressors that kind of get lumped in to a collegiate season. So I know you're pretty, you're pretty active on social media, working with like answering questions all the time and kind of showing and showcasing how you are testing all these theories, like with your density training, like some of the sled and sprint work you've been doing. Have you been able to like utilize that or are those similar conversations that you're actually sitting down and having with your athletes in those team settings, like in terms of kind of educating them a little bit more on the why that you're adding stuff in? Cause like they can see the feedback and they understand like when you're speaking the language, but do you deliberately have those conversations about, Hey, this is exactly why we're adding it in. Or do you kind of do that on a case by case if an athlete is interested? Um, I'll, I, so it'll happen case by case for sure. I guess I was thinking when you started asking about it, I thought, uh Oh, like I don't have an example, but it hit me. Like I started implementing some crawling variations into wrestling's warmup. And they did like the first, let's just say just a bear crawl, like forward and back, just whatever, no big deal. And, you know, probably eight of them like stood up five yards short and didn't, you know, didn't finish it, didn't care about it, whatever. And so I was like, Hey, like, Hey, like, I'm just done. I'm, we're going to stop the warm up because like, if I ask you to do something, like I expect you to do all 10 yards, A, but B, I said, listen, I'm not having you guys crawl around because I am bored or because I think that it's funny or because like it looks stupid and it's like you and your friends can giggle about it. Like these are the reasons that we're doing it. We're trying to get you guys to, you know, let your shoulder blades retract and protract, especially like train the serratus a little bit, push off the hands. Like, like there are certain things that like trying to dumb it down, but also like we're doing this for a reason. And this is why I want you guys to do it. It's not because like you're wrestlers and you guys end up on your hands and knees more often than other sports. So, Hey, we're going to try it again. And so boom, instantly everybody's doing it the right way. Everybody's focusing on it a little bit. I have two guys say, Hey, like, I don't really feel it. Like where you're talking about in your serratus, like in the front, like, am I, you know, what am I doing wrong? Well, really feel yourself push and like lift that shoulder blade. Like, finish and full retra- uh, protraction and you know it's it, it, yeah it it builds that that buy-in like almost immediately where it's like yep like okay yeah he's telling us that we're not just doing this for fun we're, like there's a reason for it um when it comes to the sprinting and stuff i like to use social media to i like to use social media to answer questions before they happen in the weight room and so a lot of times like i have athletes and ask questions all the time but i also like have former interns or other strength coaches ask questions and and i think at the end of the day like the reason that i like the reason that i the reason that i interned was to learn and the reason that i have interns now is to teach them and to like further them in the in the career even further than what I, I got on. Right. And so being able to, you know, answer those questions, I've got athletes that I've got a former baseball player that interned for me. I've got a current wrestler that interns for me. Some of the best interns that you have are guys that guys and girls that, you know, 
like are involved in sport and they end up really enjoying the weight room because of the way that you taught them how to lift. And it's like, yeah, I want to teach people how to lift. Like this is, yeah, this, that's, that's almost like the, the, the goal behind it is to, to teach and educate and try and get as many people interested in the benefits of it as possible. Even if you don't end up being a strength coach, like the former baseball player, I think is going to go to physical therapy school. Perfect. Like you're still going to end up helping people. He wants to work with athletes. He just wants to be a doctor of physical therapy rather than, you know, the strength coach that, you know, has a cubicle full of protein above him. And, you know, it's kind of a meathead. Like it's the same, you know, it's the same thing. I'm still going to work with athletes like he does. So, um, yeah, I think that, that it's just, it's a ton, many, many buckets that I'm trying to fill with the, the social media, but essentially like, I want to, I want to, I want to answer those questions right away so that we don't get months and months of people doing like, uh, half-assed things. Right. I like it. Cause I think it's, uh, to your point, exactly like answering those questions ahead of time. But on top of that, like, I mean, as long as those social media like platforms are staying in place, it's a database that you can kind of go back to and refer people that have pretty much it's honestly, it's some of the, some of the ones you're doing are one, your kind of training philosophy and your coaching philosophy, but they're also stuff that would pop up on like a frequently asked questions, like for interns coming in. Like I, I know we had an intern start in the last couple of weeks and he's as green as possible, like former, former football player um, working at a private facility, but he comes into a college performance place and is on the other side of the coin, not as an athlete, but as a coach. And he's just seen everything from a different perspective. I'm like, Oh man, and I just try to refer him to some of the old like conversations, the old podcasts, the old articles and stuff. Like here's a database of everything. Not that you don't have the time, but you can get ahead of the curve and say, here, these are all the questions that I'm sure you're going to ask in your first like few weeks. I know you're gung ho about everything, but better yet, look at all this stuff that's kind of rudimentary and it's first level things. And then ask me follow up questions on that. Because then I can kind of contribute to the conversation a little bit more rather than just ask like the like answer the first generation questions. Now we can actually have a full blown conversation rather than you ask one question and then I spew everything out for 10 minutes. We can have like some quid pro quo and we can go back and forth now. And I think that's that's a big thing about it, too, Um, to your point, too, like with the with interns being some of former athletes that come back like that's the best place to go too because they trust the the information that you're going to give them so that's the first place they're going to go for asking a question and if you're already able to provide them that stuff then rather than them coming in with a question they're already coming to you with a follow-up on what you've already posted so right i think that's huge and um i don't know if you purposely do this but what you talked about in the beginning like stopping the session with wrestling. I think that's huge. And I think that more coaches, if they don't already do so, should really take advantage of. Like if something is going wrong and it's either insubordination or like just blatant laziness from an athlete or a team, like the show doesn't need to keep going on. You can literally stop, recollect them. And I'm sure that changed the complete trajectory of where that lift was going. And right. also the buy-in that those athletes have, because 
you can defend like to the teeth that this is why we're doing it. Explain to them, this is the purpose. I'm not just doing it for my enjoyment to watch you. Like there's actually a greater purpose for what we're doing. And now they're like, oh, okay. I understand this completely. I'm going to really actually put some more effort into this rather than just be coached down to and talked down to about just because I'm the one with the whistle means this is what you do. So no, that that's a great point. And obviously like working with wrestling, like I know you're pretty new with them. Has, has this kind of come up often, like not specifically with your team, but like maybe at different places you've been at as well um, as a new coach where you've kind of seen either like athletes trying to tiptoe the line doing work or kind of question like programming or exercise selection or anything like that. And have you been able to handle it any different way or, or has this kind of always been your approach? Well, I'll have, you know, I, I'll tell everybody, like, I think I, at, at different times of the year, I'll do different things. So, um, at the beginning of every like off season, essentially, I have almost all my teams take a sticky note and write down like some personal goals that they have. Like, what do you want to get out of the weight room this year? Like, what do you want to improve? And they'll write down on their sticky notes and I'll post them on the door of my office so that they can see them if they want to every single day. Like it's there, they can go over and they can see it every single day. That's one thing that I'll do to try and like create buy-in and stuff like that. But another thing is probably once per year or semester, especially when I feel like we really need it, I'll get out the whiteboard and I'll say, Hey, like I, I did it with wrestling recently. And it was because, you know, some of them, they have a really close relationship with a wrestling coach. And so they'll go to him with things like, Hey, like, you know, I feel like I need, you know, I feel like I need to go to the rec center and lift on my own sometimes because we don't do enough upper body stuff. And I want them to get to the point where they can come to me and say, Hey, I feel like I need to go to the rec center and blah, 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 because blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I'll pull the whiteboard out and I'll hand out, you know, all the markers that I have. And I'll say, Hey, like, I'm going to go in my office for five minutes. Cause I don't want to know, unless you want me to know which questions are yours. Like, that's fine. But like, I'm going to go in my office for the next five minutes. You guys write any questions that you guys have at all, anything like, why do we do this? I don't like, or not, I don't like doing this, but why do we do this? Or can we do more of this or whatever the case is? And so I think I spent maybe, you know, again, if wrestling lists for an hour, maybe I spent 30 minutes going through everything. And since it's been nine day, like the things that guys didn't really care about because they don't do it on their own. They start to care about because they know why we're doing it. Um, the same thing happens with, you know, especially when we started doing, so my first two years, we did a lot less sprint work. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, we came back from the summer and Cameron's now like a sprint timber guy, you know, or whatever. Right. And so it's like, this is why this is something that I did to better myself as a coach. And these things are going to help us run faster. And if you can run faster, it may not help you pitch faster, particularly, but your ability to produce more force at a greater rate should help you project yourself slash use that back leg more and throw the ball further. Like, again, it's not a, our, in, in my opinion, our entire field isn't a, like, 
there's a direct correlation between this and this. Like there's so many things that I feel like I do or we do as strength coaches that are like, we're going to do this because I hope that it does this. But like, there's no guarantee that that's true. Like I'm hoping that doing Nordic curls keeps our hamstrings healthier and or prevents limits, reduces uh, ACL, you know, non-contact ACL injuries. But like, there's no, there's no like promise that like, Hey, you do Nordics really well for me. You're not going to tear your ACL. Cause if that were the case, then our best wrestler wouldn't have torn his ACL in our first match and our first duel in California. We did Nordic curls. It's not like we didn't do them. We did, we did single leg variations that were partner resisted, eccentric, whatever. Like he still tore his ACL. So at the end of the day, you know, I am going to always, you know, try and get athletes to ask why we do things and try and figure it out because I don't want them to just blindly follow what we do because it's my way or the highway. Like I would rather figure out, Hey, like this is what I'm thinking is going to help, especially wrestling. Right. This is what I think is going to help wrestling. And then some of them have been like, Hey, like I, I actually really like when we do, this is a good example. We always like finish or normally we finish with some kind of carrying, right? So farmer carry suitcase, carry, uh, you know, even trap bar, whatever. And so we would finish with that a lot. And then I had a couple like guys, one of them was my intern and he's like, you know, I feel really good. Like I feel really strong on the mat since we've been doing more grip work. Can we do more? Perfect. You guys do these, uh, supplementary post practice lifts with limited equipment in the wrestling room. How about we do just a carry complex? One of those like carry, you know, farm, uh, uh, farmer carry down it back you know, give me some RDLs, give me some bent over rows, and then just give me as many shrugs as you can do. Some of the guys that didn't ask for that were like, how come we're doing all these shrugs? Well, honestly, it keeps the the dumbbells in your hand longer. And, um, you know, if you ask some of the powerlifting West side guys, like they'll say shrugs are huge for shoulder health. You know, how many shoulder surgeries have we had this year compared to last year? Oh, well, I guess a lot less. Yeah. Okay. So that may be something that's helping with it, or it may be us doing, you know, more rotator cuff baseball type, you know, band stuff before and after lifts and whatever. I don't know what the cause is, but we're healthier right now than we were. And the feedback I got was we should do more grip. Yeah, man, my grip does feel good. You're right. So it's one of those things, like if you don't have that open dialogue with your teams, with your group, you know, then it's, you know, you don't get that. You would, I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't, if I hadn't been open to asking about it, then I would have never gotten that feedback, you know? And again, before I did that carry complex to figure out what weights to use. Okay. Let's start with 25% of my body weight. How's this feel? Okay. Three sets. It's not bad. I feel like I should go heavier. Okay. Let's do 30% tomorrow or two days from now. And that's again, where it comes into like, I'm going to try this carry circuit at the end and see how it feels and what weight I should use so that when, you know, I do it next week for the first time with these guys, I give them a weight and it's, Hey, 35% of your body weight. Yes. It's going to suck, but you should not need to put these weights down because I just hang cleaned. I just finished a full hour lift or whatever. And I finished with this carry complex that I'm having you guys do. My grip was toast at the end. And I still was able to do carries, RDLs, bent over rows and shrugs for 10 or five, and then shrugs for as many as I could. 
I was still able to do that. So don't go, oh, I got to set the weights down. I just tried it last week. And then it's, again, it's, okay, you're changing the program to try and better us because you listened to our feedback and you tried it yourself before you gave it to us. All right. Yeah, you're right. I can do it. I'll suck it up. I don't like it, but I can do it. You know, and, and all those things just kind of feed off each other, you know? I like that. That's a great point. I mean, I can't think of how many times that I've actually been asked that question, like coach, what's a good starting point for this? Especially like when you vary exercises or you try to like make sure that training is not just monotonous all the time and you slightly tweak things in different ways. The amount of athletes that are like, well, I did this last time. What's a good starting place for this? Like, If you actually have like some sort of suggestion, like without hesitation, that helps a lot because it doesn't look like you're just trying to give them something blindly. It becomes difficult when you start talking to other teams too, though. Like, like I, what I press overhead is vastly different than what my volleyball girls do. So that's, that's where it becomes a little bit harder um, where you have to kind of like figure out ways to scale it. And also like, all right, there's a female athlete, there's an overhead athlete. Um, I'm training for strongman Highland games and they're training for volleyball. Like that's where it starts to get a little bit difficult, but if you can have a conversation with them, relate things back and forth, that, that definitely helps. And, but it really does come down to what you said, that open dialogue. That's, that's huge. And that's awesome to kind of hear the examples that you have, like between the goals, like on your door with the sticky notes and then kind of doing like whiteboard suggestions where they're actually able to give feedback. Um, that's something that I've found invaluable, like at the end of the year, but I, I'm now like talking to you, it'd be nice to do it even more often where I kind of do a very informal, like, like coach O'Brien, like strength conditioning department, like survey, and it's completely anonymous, but can you start to rate things like in terms of like the facility, the program, the coaching, um, all those sort of things. So then I can see, Hey, everybody says that the equipment is awful. We've been talking about it for years. The coaching staff says it is no one administration thinks it is, but I have 400 athletes that rated it a two out of five. Maybe we can actually start listening to the students and actually look at implementing and fundraising for some new equipment. Like some of that stuff, like you really just need to see all the numbers laid out and actually have honest feedback from them whether it's anonymous, whether it's participation only, like that doesn't come unless you have open dialogue and you're willing to listen to them and then hear their feedback and, and be open to it. I think that's big. Yeah. And, and, and then the other thing too, is like having that, like, I could do all that stuff. I could, I could, you know, have them all write stuff on sticky notes and them talk about getting, uh, you know, getting faster this year or, or, Hey, like on the whiteboard, like, you know, I want to do more upper body stuff. And it's like reading. Cool. And then like, that's the thing too, is if I fill out this survey and it says like, little bit key, like we could use some new stuff. If then you're able to provide that, or you're able to provide more speed work, or you're able to, do those things like do more here it is whatever the suggestion there concerns are whatever it is if you're actually 
like it's actionable and you do something about it, then it's done. Like it's a done deal. Like they're like, yeah, we can. Like he is like I've told them before. I I know they're in school and like sometimes like I, academics first or whatever. I get that. I'm done with school, so I don't care about it. I'm done. I've got my master's. Like what I care about is winning. I'm like I'm gonna do whatever I can to help them win. And so if they feel like they need to do some more upper body or they want to get faster and I, and I, I need to spend a little bit more time going over, you know, how, like how we're running and, and videoing it. And like, I can't say how many, how many slow motion videos I have on my phone of all these, these guys and girls like sprinting and stuff like that. Like I'll do whatever it takes to help you win because I am competitive and I want you guys to win. And if you getting faster as a priority, I will make it a priority also. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, after school's done and you don't need to, keep kind of chasing degrees and all the paper like your education really is just kind of beginning because you got all the fundamental stuff you need down you got the accredited work and everything just to kind of play the game in college right. athletics but really now the best part takes place because it's open-ended learning you can like you're talking about like you want to dive into sprinting for a while it's like you have all the time in the world to start filming athletes testing stuff on yourself, seeing what other schools are doing it, reach out to other coaches and kind of see how you can develop your own little like speed program. And then in a few months, maybe that takes a turn completely somewhere different and you're completely on West side or you're completely on some other type of training, which is the cool part about it because ultimately it all pays dividends and it's all funneled back into like that student athlete experience and how their training program is going to grow and develop and evolve. And um, I mean, it all comes down to being kind of curious and then just really hoping to help as much as possible with their development and, and lead to success and wins on the field. So with like talking about all that stuff, obviously you've been at a few places yourself and you transition all the way to full-time, like after being an intern, a volunteer, like a GA post-grad, post-grad position, part-time position, even working in the high school and everything too. What has been like kind of one of the biggest transitioning or like pain points getting into a full-time position that maybe like some young coaches out there aren't either prepared for, or you think that would really benefit from knowing more about or researching more about, or kind of spending more time to prepare ultimately when they get their first full-time position. So I think the biggest like uh, lesson learned would be how, like obviously how hard it is to get a, a paid position. Right. So like you can intern like anybody. Uh, I mean, we had an intern start yesterday and she interviewed on Friday, you know, like we'll take interns. It's like, well, I'll teach you anything and I'll, tr I'll try and advance you as much as I can. And especially if you're good, like I'll call people to try and get you a GA job when you're prepared for it and stuff like that. But, you know, getting that paid position is super, super hard. And, you know, I had interned, um, for the university of Delaware and it was a, it was a summer internship. And, um, I ended up probably applying for, I think I have a list, maybe uh, at least a hundred hundred graduate assistant positions. And, you know, if I had known somebody a little better or they had been willing to make a call for me, I probably wouldn't have applied as many spots. 
obviously everything happens for a reason. And I didn't learn that lesson soon enough because when I started applying for, you know, assistant positions as a, as a GA is like my last semester, I applied to 127 positions. And I know that because I kept an Excel, Excel spreadsheet of every position and when I applied and who the director was and all this stuff. So I know that number for sure. So that's lesson one. And then lesson two is that Excel spreadsheet, because I remember getting a call from Coach Wiley, who's now the uh, director of football at USC. He was at Oklahoma and he called me during winter break of the, my second year as a, as a GA. And he called me and I had no idea who it was that called me. And part of it was like, you know, he was excited and he said his name really fast and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this? What, what position is this for? Did I apply? When did I apply? Uh-oh. And I sat there like stumbling, fumbling through words, trying to have enough time on speakerphone to sit there and like flip to my email and see when I had emailed him a copy of my resume and this and that. And by then you can tell like just the conversation was whether he knew that I had messed up or whatever, like. I'm sitting there and I'm like, like you could tell the conversation had changed. It wasn't, he wasn't nearly as interested in like me as like potentially working for him. And whether he knew that like I was just caught on the spot or whatever the case is, like I just, I messed up, you know? And, and so that was the first thing I did. I was like, oh, okay, I need to make a database of like all the schools that I've applied to. And when I did and who I expect to call me and stuff like that. And the other piece that I had had to adjust was, you don't have to answer the phone. And I think that that's something that I thought for a long time, like I need to answer the phone. I need to, like, if I'm applying for jobs, I need to answer every single call. Sometimes it benefits you so much, as long as your voicemail box isn't like, you know, something from undergrad that you like did with your friends on like a Saturday night or whatever. Like as long as it's like a professional voicemail, like if, if somebody's calling to, to set up an interview with me or talk to me or whatever like it's not a big deal like if you don't answer the phone they're going to get the voicemail hey like this is coach Dietz you know I saw your resume really loved it you know set up a time to talk to you boom that way you can go okay God, who is coach Dietz because like my name's people mispronounce it all the time Dietz, Dietz. oh I guess yeah I emailed him he's at UVU uh, okay UVU what sports was that for oh yeah yeah it's helping him out working with wrestling and then and then that is so much better than being like, Oh, Hey, yeah. What's up? Uh, uh, sure. Like, yeah, that's the resume I sent you for what sort Oh, football only. Oh, okay. You know, like I, it was, it's, but again, it's like, those are the things that got me to the point where, again, I have, I made my database. I have my Excel spreadsheet. I know when I'm applying, who I'm applying with. I, I know that I can let them go to voicemail. If I don't mess up like that, you know, then yeah, maybe I am at USC now and I'm working with football only and, you know, whatever, or maybe I'm still at Oklahoma or who knows where I'd be instead. But like, if I hadn't made that mistake, then I probably was going to make it eventually, you know? And so there's so many things when it comes to like the job and, and who, you know, and how you represent yourself and, you know, being as prepared as possible. And then I think, I, I guess that maybe the last thing I'd say is, it's really important to just, if you don't know something, just don't just say you don't know. Like, it's okay if I ask you, you know, uh, you know, what, 
what to you is like the most important thing to train when it comes to like the force velocity curve. If you're like sitting there and you're like, well, I mean, like force, like strength, that's important, but velocity is important too. And just kind of like fumbling through an answer, just, just say like, I don't know. I mean, like, I think both are important. Like, what do you, you know, what, what exactly are you thinking or what exactly are you looking for? You know, and, and maybe they're look they're not looking for you to say, I'm a strength guy versus a, a speed guy. They were just looking for you to understand that like team sports are performed somewhere in the curve. Like strength isn't the number one answer that they were looking for. They're not looking for this answer speed, but they're going to tell you, well, you know, we're just kind of looking for somebody that understands that sports, it's important to have both. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Like that's probably better than you being like, well, well, you know, strength is like really, really important because like, you know, you can produce more force, you know, but I guess speed is too. like, just, Hey, I don't really know what you're looking for on this, you know, just be honest. And I think that'll go a long ways too, um, especially professionally as you start to intern and as you or start to interview and, and stuff like that. I think that, that stuff goes a long way. It's being honest. So. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's great advice. Obviously, like, I don't know why. I mean, I think everybody kind of has that culture shock in the very beginning, like when you're about to graduate or you're fresh, new into the coaching profession, you feel like you need to know every single thing. And everybody tries to read every single textbook, every single like staple or quote unquote of strength and conditioning, like all the tier system, like super training, like the NSCA's book, all, all the like ones that you can kind of rattle off that you need to know. You have to, you have to read all these books. You have to know all this stuff, but I mean, some of that stuff you, you don't retain and you don't need it until it's like really called upon. So it's okay to say you don't know, or let me go look at something like, there's no way I can remember every single percentage. Like what's the ideal way to like build hypertrophy like you have an idea but like all that stuff is in a folder in a binder at home that if I need to really call upon myself to build like the best like mass building program ever I'm going to go do my due diligence and like actually be prepared for developing that program the same as for someone calling you like let it let it go to voicemail be prepared for the call and actually answer it appropriately. And yeah, you might be in a different situation, but I mean, just like you talked about for the social media and everything, like all those mistakes that you kind of have gone through, like all the different ringers that you've put yourself through, like all the different, like kind of paying your dues, not, not just helps your athletes, but it helps the interns, helps your other colleagues that you're going to end up working with down the line. So that, ultimately you're giving the best product to your athletes. You're the best coach you could possibly be like when the time comes. So it's all great advice, obviously. Um, so when we, in terms of like actually like preparing yourself, like obviously your own training, um, everything that you're doing to kind of perfect the programs, getting feedback from the coaches, from the athletes and stuff, where do you kind of go to outside of all that anecdotal stuff and all the feedback for like favorite resources for continuing education, whether it's on the coaching side, strength and conditioning side, or even like personal side for like hobbies and stuff that you also have, like where are your go-to things for resources? Well, I think a lot of times you, a lot of people will like essentially find inspiration on online, on social media. Right. 
And so if you do, it's about like vetting that and making sure that like, that's actually something that makes sense or you want to follow, um, or you want to try or, you know, whatever the case is like, are the things that they're saying, like liver King would be a good example. Like, is this something like, do I really want to eat raw meat and animal organs because this guy's jacked and clearly that's the reason or like, okay, yeah, he eats animal organs and pure raw red meat, but like he's probably also has been or was on quite a few injectables and orals and other, you know, performance enhancing drugs, you know? And so vetting those resources, but I think social media is so great about like putting a lot of people will put a lot of information out and then it's your job to kind of vet that and figure out, okay, is this solid information? Or is it not? And then from there, it's like, okay, yeah, I do want to experiment with this a little bit. Or no, that doesn't make, that doesn't add up. I'm not going to try that. Um, you know, so for me, this last year, I can't even remember when I saw Les Spellman's first, I don't know. I can't even remember when I, what I saw or where I found it or whatever. But like, he is, um, you know, a speed coach. And he has a bunch of really great information and he's got a handful of courses that you can, you know, buy and they go in really in depth and, and they teach you how to teach things and, you know, like those kinds of things. But before I went and just bought all of his courses and watched them all and, you know, this, that, and the other, it was like, okay, like, who's he worked with? Like, oh, what kind of results are we looking at here? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, and then an NFL draft prep guy, is that really like, okay, like, you know, a lot of people go to Exos and that's pretty much all they do. You know, what else does he do or who else does he work with? Or, oh, okay. So he's working with football and he's working with rugby and he's working with some elite track and field people. And he's working with, you know, a bobsled, a bobsled athlete or two. Like, okay. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few people that are working with this guy. And, and the things that he posts are, you know, these drills and these things like the free resources that he's putting out, you know, they kind of line up with and match other, you know, speed, speed guys or coaches that I also have seen and follow and, and okay. Like, yeah. Okay. This is something that I want to invest my time and money in so that I can start to teach speed more. Uh, other example. Okay. Perfect. You know, um, like the triphasic training book, I think I, I still use a lot of French contrast stuff, still work with tempos, but you know, starting to dive into like, okay, yeah, this is something that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, it makes sense to train these tempos. You talk about tempo work and a lot of people use tempos, but you know, are they, are they using it in these ways or these kind of the loading parameters that make sense? Oh yeah. Like starting to figure out, okay, yes. Yeah, super max eccentrics do have a pretty huge uh, impact on overall strength and then overcoming versus you know, whatever isometrics are, I guess was overcoming and, uh, overcoming and, uh, gosh, I forget the other one, uh, pauses. Um, anyways, it doesn't matter. So like, you know, you have different types of isometrics and does one make more sense than the other, and which one creates more time and attention, but which one's creating more force. And I don't know, like there's all these things and you can find all this information online, but it's up to you to vet that and figure out what stuff makes sense or works for you. Because if you believe everything that Joel Seaman puts out, then it's like, okay, you're, are you going to copy all of the band resisted 
push-up balancing on a physio ball while touching your nose and uh, juggling at the same time. Like, okay, I saw that video that looks really cool. I'm going to try that versus, okay, yeah, like there are some things that he'll do that makes a traditional push-up harder or like a renegade row maybe easier or more effective or whatever. So yeah, let's like, let's give this a shot today. Instead of just doing seated row, I'm going to try this renegade style row with, instead of, you know, my hands and feet on the ground, I'm going to put my hand on, on a bench and, you know, kind of do a contralateral grip and yeah, that is more challenging. And, but, you know, am I working on a full body? Like, that's what I'm trying to get out of this. Or like, am I just trying to get, you know, female athletes to trust themselves and row more than 25s for the last three years. So like, you know, you see all this stuff online and it's great, but I, for me my biggest resource is online, but then I, I need to dive into it more so that I make sure that I'm like vetting that, like, it, I can't just trust. It's like, when you see stuff online, it, you got to like do more than just pass the eye test, you know? Um, again, Jack dude posting that he's a trainer of athletes and really he's, you know, graduated from high school and yes, he's got crazy great genetics and Yes, he does some really great stuff, but like not everything that he's putting out is backed by experience or not everything he's putting out is backed by research, but not everything is even backed by results. He's just doing it because it's challenging and, you know, he's the aesthetic guy. And so, yeah, I'm going to follow that because I want to look jacked. It's like he's doing a lot of other stuff besides just that exercise it makes him look jacked, you know, like his diet's probably on point. He's maybe taking some, maybe not. Like, I don't know. There's so many things, like I said, social media but vetting it and making sure that you're following people and things that are actually reliable, like resources. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously probably the same resources that a lot of people have like the go-to for books, like audio, like podcasts, like video and stuff like that. I mean, I think we could rattle those off forever and there's exhaustive lists somewhere else. But I mean, the points that you made about like actually vetting it and more importantly, doing your due diligence to figure out who this person is, like what kind of information they're providing, like does it produce results? And then are you going to invest more time and money in it? I think that's worth it way more than just kind of listing off your favorite resources because you need to do your own research for it. And that is definitely way more helpful because it shouldn't be just as simple as, all right, this person said it. So I believe everything they say, it works in my field perfectly it's it's not that same and it's not cut and dry copy and paste that simple um you really have to do your deal diligence to make sure that it fits your situation and uh that's it's great information for anybody like fresh and fresh green interns coming into the profession like all the way up to the highest level coaches so that's awesome hey uh with with any good show any good game we always finish the show with a finisher so we got four quarters four questions and then we'll have overtime at the end so you can go rapid fire with these or take as much time as you want but you ready to go yeah so all right first one i got for you biggest influence in strength and conditioning and favorite athlete growing up uh athlete that i looked up to john elway big broncos fan um could never play quarterback like him so just more of a fan um and then biggest influence professionally in the last year probably less Spillman. in the last 
three years, probably Zach DeCant. And before that, when I was like a GA and stuff, probably like Cal Beats. All right. Yeah, I like to see the evolution of everything now. That's cool. Hey, so when you're not coaching and kind of doing all your microdose training to get ready for your six teams, what are some of your go-to hobbies outside of the weight room walls? Oh, when I get outside the weight room, um, uh, I got married this last year. So spending time with her um, and then we've got two dogs just trying to make sure that they feel as much love as I try and give the athletes that I work with. Nice. Hey, well, congrats, by the way. Thank you. So if you weren't coaching in strength conditioning, if you've given it any thought, what do you think would be your professional career? And if you could go pro in any sport, what would sport would that be? Um, I would be a sports journalist for sure. I loved writing and loved sports still do. So definitely sports journalism. And if I had to go pro in a sport, knowing that I can't and wouldn't have played baseball because I wasn't good enough. Um, I probably wish that I had gotten into a winter sport more like, you know, you know, snowboarding or skiing, like freestyle, like all the winter Olympic stuff, like all that is incredible to watch. And, and the aerials and all that stuff is awesome. I wish that that would have been something that if I had lived on the slopes, I, I would have gone for pro in. Man, you got to take advantage of it while you're in Utah, then hit some of the mountains right. up. Right. Hey, so setting up an ideal training day for you, what's your go to either training music or your best PR song? And what is your ideal post training meal look like? Um, I, hype up song depends on the lift. If it's like a heavy strength movement, I almost always go for some like really angry death metal shit like five finger or disturbed or something like that just just gets like you're just skin tingling um if it's something more dynamic like a clean i'll probably put on some like edm techno and i don't know why there's a difference but shit just gets me jacked um and then ideal post post workout ideally like what i would do every day if I could choose and I wouldn't hate how I look in the mirror, I'd probably go to like, uh, five guys or in and out like burgers, fries. Like I can't think of any food that I like probably more. I like it. Hey, so last one I got for you for overtime, obviously you've been, you've been coaching in a lot of different places, um, and worked your way up to the professional to all the way to full time. Now, what is currently your favorite part of coaching uh my favorite part is seeing others be successful where you weren't like i played but obviously didn't reach the mecca like the highest level you know and seeing other people reach that level or seeing them reach a higher level than you did that's like the most rewarding thing, seeing the wrestlers qualify for nationals, seeing, you know, uh, the softball team, you know, when, you know, compete at conference and, you know, hopefully this year win, um, you know, seeing 
both of our top golfers last year win win conference and go play in the national championships like like seeing those people elevate like helping them elevate seeing them reach those heights and knowing that you were like a small part of it that's that's why i coach that's awesome yeah that's that's a great feeling and to feel like you're a small part of that journey and kind of see their success and see how them excelling at their sport like just makes them feel is, is the best it's it's honestly the coolest thing ever even being stuck in the shadows that's uh, that's where i want to be anyway like yes. keep keep all the limelight on them but to see them really like get to lay it all on the line for the sport they love to do and and really have success it's there's no greater feeling for sure hey so yeah. i I know uh, for anybody else that has any questions, um, obviously, like for people that want to follow and kind of see all the information that you're providing from from your speed drills, from all the sled work, all the dynamic stuff, everything you've been posting lately, where can people go to to ask you questions or kind of follow along um, your social media? Yeah, so Coach Cam, I think the handle is just Coach Cam or it may have a one or a 10 or something like that. So Coach Cam, it should come up. if it does have a 10, the guy that doesn't have a number in it wouldn't give it to me. So, uh, darn him. And then, uh, I guess I have Twitter, but I try and stay out of like Twitter's almost like where you go to argue. Um, so I stay off of that. Like I read them, you know, I read the arguments and then I, I write out a message and then I never press send. Like I write out what I want to respond and then I never, I never press send, but Instagram, Twitter, you can reach out to me. Um, all my contact info's on our athletic directory too. If you guys ever want to know more, I don't know if I can teach you anything specifically or just, you know, generally, but anyways, online, uh, coach camp. Awesome. Hey, well, we'll have all the links for whatever number follows behind the name. Uh, make sure everybody's pointing in the right direction for the right person. And, uh, but I can't thank you enough for coming on, obviously very valuable between all your teams and everything you got going on. Uh, good luck with the rest of this season. And I can't thank you enough for coming on today, coach Cameron. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course, man. That's it for this episode of the strength game. Thank you again to this week's guest and to our sponsors. Be sure to connect and keep up with our guests at the links in the description below. Remember to subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider to stay up to date on all future episodes. Also, check us out on YouTube and CoachO'Brien.com, where you can find all the video versions of these episodes, as well as show notes, episode schedule, and much more. Comments, ratings, and reviews are always welcome and appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in, and be sure to join us next week for another great episode of The Strength Game.